Go ahead and turn in your Bibles again back to the book of Jonah. To the book of Jonah. Pass these out. Move that there. Bibles again to Jonah. We are on oh, writing utensils there. Lesson number six, actually. Lesson number six, actually, kind of at the end of chapter one. Yep, that's an extra one there. If you need a pen. Lesson number six, the plan of Jehovah. Plan of Jehovah. Well, actually, go ahead and read. Uh, I'll read chapter one, verse 17. It's kind of the, really the only kind of verse of the text in Jonah this evening. It says, And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's go ahead and pray before we start. Lord, I do thank you for um, the opportunity to be able to um, leave this lesson and everything tonight. Thank you for the truths that we'll learn in it and about your plan that um, you do have one, obviously, and you desire for us to be a part of it. And just uh, help us as we look at the lesson tonight, just be able to stay you know, alert and focused on it. Um, pray that you just help me to present it in the way that you would have it, and just um, that you'd speak to our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, nothing takes God by surprise, not even our disobedience, which is actually kind of similar to what uh, Pastor Some Things was talking about this morning. Um, and in spite of ourselves, God has a plan for us, for our lives. Um, Proverbs 16.9 is, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And then further down in Proverbs, um, it says, There are many devices in a man's, man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. You know, man sees life from the playing field, but God sees it from the blimp above the stadium. Now, his thoughts are higher than ours, and his ways are better than ours. Our goal should be to you know, prove, there's that word again, what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Think of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 with that. So some objectives to, to kind of think about this evening as we're going through this lesson, that just to kind of reinforce that God doesn't abandon his plan for our lives just because we resist his will and go our way. Think of Jonah. God, once he decided that he wasn't going to go, did God just, oh, fine, you're fine. Now, there, obviously, there's situations and times where we forfeit opportunities to do things, but God's will was for him to go, and he was going to go <laughs> one way or the other. 
So another objective to, to think about is that God often does give us second chances when we mess up. Not all the time, but he often does. Um, think of what Paul mentioned, you know, in things Philippians, you know, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing, looking forward to those things which are ahead. You know, I press toward the mark. So forgetting what's behind, pressing forward for what's ahead in our lives. And then also just to establish the fact that God's plan doesn't simply affect us, but it has an impact on all of God's work as a whole. We're not islands to ourselves. So the plan of Jehovah, lesson six this evening. We should be very thankful for divine intervention in our lives. Because really, if you think about it, none of us would be saved if it was not for divine intervention in our lives. Had God not stepped into our lives and brought us under conviction and then to himself. Um, Jeremiah 33.3 is the first verse for this evening. If you want to go ahead and read that one, Pastor. Jeremiah 31.3. Is that one? Oh, yeah, gotcha. The Lord has a point has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And Jesus emphasized this point in John 6:44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. In the book of Proverbs, this simple man is talked about a lot. Um, it's kind of like you know, someone who's caught in the middle, just reacting to what is around him without direction, kind of in life. Um, according to this, so the word simple in Proverbs means space or room. Now, that is, there's still room for him to decide, and as a result, he's easily influenced in that. You know, God still loves the simple man and has a plan for him. Um, listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 116, 6-9. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath felt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Jonah was a simple man who is in desperate need of a second chance, and God gave it to him. So the first point here, and I believe all of them start, all the main points start with a P this evening. Um, so the first one, I, you don't have the hints to, as they start up this, this evening. So it's a divine something and a plan. It's a longer word. It's similar with a plan. If you have a plan, you've done some of this to get your plan. Yes, preparation is a divine preparation. You know, it's a good thing that God's always one step ahead of us. <laughs> the psalmist states in Psalm 40, verse 17. But I am poor in thee, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help, my deliverer. Make no terror me, O oh my God. And you can see the sovereignty of God and then Isaiah 65, 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. So subpoint A 
is God's plan is, this is a hyphenated word, hyphenated word here. This starts with a P as well. Predetermined, yes, that's a good guess on the first one. You know, God knew who we were, who you were, who you you were, who you are, (laughs) what you were going to look like, and what he wanted from your life before you were ever born. And he had it all written down, which is kind of interesting. You think about that with this next verse, well, next set of verses, Psalm 139, um, 13 to 17. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. <coughs> I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. <laughs> my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Interesting. In the middle of those verses, now that I did see my substance yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members written. Interesting idea of written down already. You know, we may not always see God's work or sense his presence in our lives, but that doesn't mean he's abandoned us or that he's not there. Job 23, verses 8 through 10. And when you see this one here, you'll recognize the last verse, but it's interesting, the two verses right before it. Um, Job 23, 8 to 10. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I can't behold him. He hides himself on the right hand, but I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. Kind of interesting thinking about that verse in the context of the verses that it's in on that. Subpoint B, God's plan is, we also see it's predetermined, but then God's plan is also, this is also another a P word, a longer P word, not perfect. This is a Not planned. It's kind of this the, the idea of um, <laughs> not predestined. Sorry, I was laughing at what Joel said. God's plan is if you think of um, say you have you go to a restaurant, you have several different things you eat, but you have that you like to eat, but you generally get the same thing all the time. That choice is similar. Um, not preferred, that choice is pre, predominant. The choice is your predominant choice. So God's plan is predominant. Now, why is it that we think that our plans are better than God's? You know, has he ever been unfaithful? Has he ever failed to come through on his promises? Has he ever forsaken us? It's really easy. It makes a lot of sense when you think of it like that. But then how easy is it 
for us to just not remember that in the midst of things. Psalm 37, 23 to 25 is the, uh, the next round here. I think it's back up to you, Pastor. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen righteousness forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Again, kind of some familiar verses in the first one, but then you think of the the one on the end with the other ones. That's it is real interesting. Context is really important because now we know these like bits and pieces of verses, but then when you put them all together, it, it tells more of a story, more fully of the situation there. You know, God's desire is that, uh, this is from Colossians 1.18, the next verse. And God's desire is that in all things he might have the preeminence. And when God is first, we don't have to worry about it. In Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we have a divine preparation. We saw that God's plan is predetermined, that it's predominant. And then now on to main point two. This is an interesting, interesting word. A dutiful starts with a P as well. Say you have some, if you have some putty in your hand, it is very pliability. Yep. A dutiful pliability. And I do know about putty because I've been doing a lot with it. <laughs> than recently. A dutiful pliability. This is an interesting statement here. You know, one of the great abilities that God's looking for is pliability. Now, we really haven't seen a lot of that in our character so far, Jonah. But it's interesting, think of, thinking of it, turning it around and thinking of it now from this perspective, but you see a great example of pliability in a fish. Now, it's interesting the author is talking about here. I don't, I don't suppose this fish had a desire on his own to be swimming near the surface in a big storm when there's lightning bolts and everything going everywhere. Much safer place would have been under the surface, wherever that is there. But we must remember that all are thy servants, from Psalm 119, 91. So subpoint A is an omnipotent. Both of these uh, start with a C. Not quite. Uh, it's not a creator. If, some, if you have two things that happen very close to each other, you might say, oh, that's a, an omnipotent coincidence. No, to man it might appear that no, it just happened to be merely coincidence that if that fish just so happened to be swimming right near the boat at the very time that Jonah goes overboard, but there's not, but there are no coincidences with God. It's an interesting thought. Think about that. You know how many times we talk about oh, it's just coincidence. 
but there's no coincidences with God. Job 14, 16. For now thou numberest my steps, dost thou not watch over my sin? And Job 31, 4. Dost not he see my ways and count all my steps? Whether it was a boy with a sling or a boy with a lunch, there's no coincidences. They're all part of God's perfect and wonderful plan. Think of the feeding of the 5,000 that's referenced there. No. The boy just happened to be there, just happened to have that amount of things and stuff like that. It's just not, but it wasn't a coincidence. That's exactly what was needed for the situation. So subpoint B, we had an omnipotent coincidence. Now, now uh, point B, an obedient, an obedient creation. That is correct. We can learn a lot from God's creation. Job 12, 7 to 10. But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? It's interesting. You think about what was said there. It was talking about different aspects, and then who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? It's almost as if the sense of any of those things, they obviously, they know, or is it from the sense of, no, someone on the outside, no. Who knoweth not in all these? It's kind of interesting thinking about, thinking about that. This is another really interesting statement. No, God marvels that so much of his creation is obedient to his will, while man struggles with his will. This is an interesting verse, Jeremiah 8, 7. Yea, the sword of heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the curling swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Kind of an interesting statement that God been talking about, like, of the parts of my creation, knowest their appointed time, they observe the time, but my people don't know. The judgment of the Lord. Now, it's easy to talk about obedience, but God is looking for more than just words in an outward show. There's actually a verse, I think it's in Joel. I think it's in the book of Joel, if I remember correctly, um, where God's talking about um, rend your heart and not your garments and turn to me. He's not... God's looking for more than just show and words. He's looking for substance. Mark Twain encountered a ruthless businessman from Boston during his travels who boasted that nobody ever got in his way once he determined to do something. He said, before I die, I mean to take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I'm going to climb Mount Sinai, and when I'm up there, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top of my voice. Unimpressed... Twain responded, I got a better idea. Stay in Boston and keep them. Stay in Boston and keep them. It's easy to talk, but God looks for more than just words on that. So point three, we had, um, let me look back what the, the first one was, a divine preparation, a dutiful pliability, and then now point three, a distinct 
approach the P as well. That purpose, this has to do with um, that position. How to say it without giving it away. Think of verse 17, especially the last part. Close. A distinct prophecy, that is correct. Again, keeping in mind the whole point of the lesson with uh, the plan of Jehovah with this. Hopefully we realize that by now, know that nothing happens or is recorded in God's word by accident. Remember, there's no coincidences with God. Like, interesting, like the lesson, like the, uh, the message this morning you know, with the Red Sea and just everything that was going on with that and how it was done uh, with that. But nothing is recorded in his word by accident. The fact that Jonah was swallowed by a whale is indeed fascinating, but there's more to the story than that. Subpoint A, we have a, dis or a distinct prophecy is the main point. Then subpoint A is an ironic. It starts with a T. Both of these start with a T. An ironic, not timing has something to do with, um, this is kind of a, this would be a hard one to get. But you think about, it's kind of a, sim a similar word for like a picture. Think of the Old Testament is filled with pictures of type. Yep, an ironic typology. The Old Testament is filled with types or pictures. Um, that are then used to describe and foretell of future events that then, when looked back on, make sense and, are fill, and fulfill what's meant to be talked about. Brazen serpent in Exodus, what was that foretelling? Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What did John the Baptist call Christ? The Lamb of God. You think of... What's that referring back to? The lamb, lamb, the sacrifice, or as it's called here, the paschal, the paschal lamb of the Old Testament. It's a picture of the lamb of God that would be recognized by John the Baptist. You think of the um, book of Hebrews, um, the priesthood, how that was pointed then to Christ and what he would do. The tabernacle, there's so many different things with that on there. And then what we're looking at specifically here, Jesus then pointed back to this picture of Jonah in Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And it's interesting, note, God takes the results of Jonah's disobedience here typify the obedience of his son. Philippians 2.8. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think of sim in a similar situation with that. Think of Adam, the first Adam. Christ, the last Adam on that. 
and I think it's I think it's in Romans or it's I think is where that is. No, God compares and contrasts with Adam's failure basically, and Christ's success, if you can word it that way, um, for what what he accomplished on that. And subpoint B here. Not only do we have an ironic typology, but then we also had an illuminating. This is some. This is kind of been mentioned already. And it starts with the T as well. If we think about, we talk about different things. No, it was not on God's timetable. There you go. This was an illuminating timetable. The three days and the three nights here in the book of Jonah you know, it may seem insignificant, but they're prophetic of the time that Christ would spend in the tomb. Mark 10, 33 and 34. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Satan thought he had defeated Jonah and Jesus on both of those occasions. But after three days of celebrating, the devil's victory parade turned in defeat, into defeat on both occasions. If you're living a defeated life today, remember, God gives second chances. Tomorrow is a clean slate. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So it's a bit of a, a, bit of a shorter lesson this evening, but again, just kind of keeping in mind the plan of Jehovah with everything. Again, that nothing takes God by surprise, that um, with the situation and everything here, there was a divine preparation that God had done already ahead of time with the situation. His plan is, was predetermined and it was predominant. It was going to happen. And then God looks for a dutiful pliability, looks for pliability in our lives that can be, um, of course, when you think of pliability, what, what do you generally think of? There's something specific clay. material. You think of clay, generally. Of course, God uses that as examples, you know, in Jeremiah with the potter and everything with making a vessel and then it's marred and then he starts over again until it gets to what he wants it to be on that. That there's no coincidences with God. And he has a very obedient creation and he wants us to be part of it. That so much of his creation is obedient to his will while we struggle with it sometimes. And then keeping in mind of, again, the, the theme with the plan of Jehovah that we saw a distinct prophecy. That again, God uses Jonah's disobedience as a picture of Christ's obedience and what would happen eventually there. With the three days and three nights in, in the belly of the whale or the fish. Because there was an ironic typology, but then a very illuminating timetable. That was there. So again, a shorter lesson this evening, but definitely some very good uh, 
some good thoughts and challenges and things to think about. That God desires to use us, and even if you're living a defeated life today, tomorrow's a clean slate. It's the continue of uh, pressing forward towards the mark. Any, any thoughts anybody has? Any, anything stood out to you particularly this evening? Just like you said, this study is kind of going, it's a lot different than some of the others that we use, but it, it is very slow. Um, it takes time to present principles that are, that are really important. It makes you stop and think about some things, uh, not just, you know, right over the top. One thing that kind of stood out to me, particularly when looking at it, is just that fact of thinking about creation. You know, that creation is at God's, does his will beck and call. That, that's, a, that's a way to, that you could think about it, but is obedient. You think of the weather. <laughs> think of uh, what manner of man is this, even the, the wind and the sea obey him. Think of animal creation. Um, think of a donkey. Think of a rooster, think of a fish. But then the fact that man, the crowning pinnacle glory of his creation, give him so much trouble, if you can word it that way, which you know what I mean when I say that. But my that verse in Jeremiah, yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord, that how much we just don't do what we're supposed to do on that. Anything else, anybody? Particularly to you? or First as well, an interesting yeah. thought. Yeah. And how God... Oh, go ahead, Amy. Well, it's just the point of yeah, Jesus referred back to Jonah being in the well. Like, if Jonah would have obeyed right away, he wouldn't have had to go into the well. But Jesus was able to use that as an example. So, of course, God knew this was going to happen. Uh, Jonah was going to disobey, but he used that in the picture of Christ. It's An ironic typology. <laughs> it's kind of what it is. And it's, yeah, it's so interesting, like, kind of boggles the mind to sit back and think about, you know, like, so what would have happened if Jonah had obeyed? You know, like, it's a crazy thing about the, it, the fact that God knows all of that ahead of time, exactly what we're going to choose, and he already knows that it's going to be this long before you repent and get right, and this is going to happen in that time. Uh, it's, just, it's just crazy thinking about that, of that he knows all that and has known all that. <laughs> for forever it's kind of it is it's just mind-boggling thinking about that it is comforting it is definitely comforting to think about that but it is also kind of was it david and some things are too high for me <laughs> as he talks about but anything else before we close it up tonight okay let's pray Lord, we thank you for the lesson this evening, thinking about your plan 
um, the plan of Jehovah, know that you are the omnipresent, omnipotent, um, omniscient, and any other omni word we could add or think about, um, that despite our disobedience and our struggles and things like that, you still desire to use us. And thank you that you give us second chances and you don't give up on us. That just because we don't do what we should the first time, that you just that you don't just abandon us and leave us and find somebody who will, so to speak. That you desire that you love us and you desire to use us. And help us to be comforted in that fact, but then also that it would just challenge us to serve you more and love you better than we, than we do now. And again, thank you for the study. It definitely is very thought-provoking things in it, that, again, but that we wouldn't just think that, oh, yeah, there's a good thoughts, and then just forget about it, but that it would we'd meditate on it and that you would use it in our lives to draw us closer to you and make us maybe help us make a better decision than we would than we would otherwise or to just be more serious about things lord and i pray that you would just give us safety um, getting home this evening bring us back together again on wednesday in jesus name amen